The winner is. 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 And the winner is. What's the like of seeing your luggage? Sometimes. That means sometimes. There can be a hundred people in a room. Maybe there is right now. I know it's tuna, but it, it says chicken. I don't know her. She always has these long lists of like diva demands. Cheetos and Doritos. Great gowns, beautiful gowns. I understand you embrace the term diva. Hello Divas, Devos, and Divs. Welcome back to another episode of Diva Dailies, where we deconstruct divas in film, television, and music. This is Angie, one of two co-hosts of this podcast, and we are officially in the Christmas season. And starting it off, we have our first Christmas film, A Diva's Christmas Carol. But before we get into that and bring out our co-host, let's do a bit of housekeeping. If you're interested in following us, you can find us on social media at Diva Daily's Pod on Instagram, Twitter, Threads, TikTok. And if you want to talk to us via email or voice message, hit us up at DivaDailyspod at gmail.com. And always, if you're listening to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Okay. Now, I hear the sounds of Sandra O oh in the background. Gupta. Uh, no, sir. The queen is coming. Hello, Steffi. And hello, Gupta. <laughs> Every single time. <laughs> we have to acknowledge her presence in the pod, too. It's a Gupta. Every single time. <laughs> How are you doing? I am doing great. I'm excited to share this episode with our listeners because it's our first <laughs> movie in a really long time. Yes. But it's our yes. first in our holiday diva movies batch. A classic. Yes, a classic. A diva's Christmas carol. One of my favorite classics. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, I, I want to get into listener feedback because it does have something to do with A Diva's Christmas Carol. Let's get it in. Even though the episode hasn't even come out yet. So <laughs> let's get it in. <laughs> Janet. With these Diva Holiday movie episodes, we highly encourage you to follow at least. I will be tweeting it out. Maybe Angie, you should tweet it out too. But we will be tweeting out like days before. Well, actually, if you listen to the episode, always at the end, we preview what the next movie is. Mm -hmm. But follow us on Twitter and we're going to put out a reminder a couple days before the new episode. But we're going to be sharing like what that movie for the week will be. And so on my Twitter, I tweeted out that we were going to be covering A Diva's Christmas Carol. And then I shared it on the Instagram. And Victor responded to my little post and was like, you've given me a heartquake. Educate the children. Not enough people know Vanessa L. Williams, my first love. And then he said, I took my mom's copy of Vanessa L. Williams 1988 ebony magazine cover to school with me in the first grade and told everyone she was my girlfriend okay well i know i know <laughs> okay what a great first girlfriend to have yes. vanessa williams the setting the bar high <laughs> <laughs> now this is like i said i've been saying this 
This is a classic. It's one of my favorites. It's so good. Mm -hmm. It's so unserious. Yeah. (laughs) You got to love it. (laughs) Yeah. We have a range of movies that we're covering, Mm -hmm. ranging from genre. Unserious to very serious. Unserious to very serious. (laughs) In that order. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Who picked the unserious movies and who picked the serious movies? (laughs) Well. Let's see. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah it does kind of escalate it starts light oh it, gets, and then it, it escalates just, so quick the emotional stakes just keep increasing it goes from lightness to death and divorce well no it starts off oh no we we got a little bit of death in this movie yeah a little death in this one <laughs> i think the next movie is probably the lightest the third there's a lot that goes on mm-hmm. and then and the, the fourth, fourth is- lord Get ready, you guys. Yeah, breathe heavily <laughs> with me. Um. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, well, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. There were some other listener feedback regarding our Whitney episode, but I think we're just going to save it for our last episode of the season because these holiday movie episodes, they do run a bit long, listeners, because it's a combination of parts one and two. Yeah. Where you didn't break up the movie episodes into two different parts, except we will be doing that with the last movie because... Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot. And it's my pick. And it's one of my favorites. So there's a lot to say. Uh, But I, I think we should just get to it. And now, our feature presentation. As the season wraps around us, like gifts around a tree, I can't help but remember what Christmas used to be. Welcome to our Diva Dailies movie episode of one of my all-time favorite Christmas films, A Diva's Christmas Carol, starring our Diva of the Week, Vanessa Williams. Yes, that heart of Christmas is so easy to find. When good will take so the heart of Hey, you up there! You trying to kill me or what? Faith, cut. Well? Don't tempt me. A Diva's Christmas Carol was released on December 13th, 2000. It is a remake of Charles Dickens' classic, A Christmas Carol, where a cold-hearted singer gets a reality check when she meets three Christmas spirits who would change her miserly ways for the better. This is starring Vanessa Williams, Kathy Griffin, Chili of TLC, Brian McNamara, and John Taylor from Duran Duran, and is directed and written by Richard Shankman. So, Steffi, when did you first watch this film? And what were your initial impressions? (laughs) (laughs) It's the laugh for me. (laughs) All right. Um, Okay, so the first time I watched this was a couple days ago. Bet. Okay. Okay, so for me, my backstory with A Diva's Christmas Carol is way back in season one, I didn't have a permanent co-host and I had different people coming in. Kristen, who you guys may remember, she did really great episodes. She recommended to me, I think, I don't know if this was on the mic or off the mic, but she was like, Steffi, you need to talk about A Diva's Christmas Carol. That'd be like the perfect movie for you to talk about during the holidays. 
And that was literally the first time I had ever heard of this movie. And I think you also said probably off the mic like oh my gosh you need to do a diva's christmas carol because it's it's perfect yeah yeah so i'd I'd literally never seen it before let alone heard of it and you said it was released in 2000 right december 13th 2000 yes so i don't think we had vh1 yet Mm. because when i was like at a certain age i think maybe like around like nine or ten we had cable all year but like growing up there would be like periods of time where we had cable and then periods of time where we didn't have cable so that's why i wasn't really watching vh1 like that so i don't think we had vh1 when this movie came out so that's my excuse but in terms of my initial impressions i liked it yeah what if i was like i hate this movie Andy, Bro. and that's like really embarrassing that you like this okay. no, no 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 i i i like it i like it i think like on the scale of lifetime vh1 hallmark movies it's definitely watchable yes i enjoyed the songs yes it put me in the holiday mood mm-hmm. and i think it was like I don't want like you know we're not gonna be like too smart about this movie <laughs> but it is like kind of meta commentary on the diva yeah and the perception of divas at the time absolutely because it was released in the 2000s and you're coming off of a decade of divas in the 90s yeah. and then when you remember that this is vh1 like at that time they were known for doing their divas live tonight live from the beacon theater in new york city vh1 presents Divas Live 99, a concert for VH1 Save the Music. Starring Whitney Houston, Tina Turner, Cher, and Brandy. With special guest, Sir Elton John. Also featuring special appearances by Mary J. Blige, Shaka Khan, Faith Hill, Tretch, and Leanne Rhymes. So it's like a... It's like kind of a synthesis slash parody of what this podcast is about. Absolutely. So it's it's really a great way to come back into talking about films I agree. on the pod. I know a lot of you probably found this podcast through us talking about music. But way back when in season one, this really used to just be us talking about movies. Yeah. And prior to recording this episode, Angie and I were like, oh, my God, like stepping back into movies (laughs) but i think this is a good this is a good episode to get us back into the grind of films so absolutely yeah absolutely what about you angie well this is this is your pick (laughs) listeners angie and i each got to pick two holiday movies to talk about for this month yeah and this was an angie pick so what what's your story relationship with the divas christmas carol so uh this came out in the era of me being obsessed with tlc Oh, okay. Yes, yes, yes. When I say obsessed, I'm talking about fanatic. I could have been one of those people on the show fanatic, MTV's fanatic. I wish you were. Like, I was that obsessed. I wish you were. Listen, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So I literally watched this movie simply because Chili was in it. Wow. Which is a crazy thing to say. Yeah, yeah. Looking back. Yeah. (laughs) But I only, my initial watch was because Chili was in it, and I was like, I want to watch Chili. Great, you know? Yeah. I remember loving this film. Mm-hmm. I was 10, you know, Chili was in it. I was like, yes, hello. And I loved Vanessa Williams. Yeah, you're like, can't I feel a heart quake? Literally. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. <laughs> like, 
as you said, the songs are great. Yeah. It's definitely watchable. And especially as a kid, like, this is a perfect kid film, you know? Yeah, 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 totally. And then this would come on VH1 every Christmas. It was just like one of those movies yeah. that was on. A seasonal movie. And every year I would watch it. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, yeah, Diva's Christmas Carol. This is this is a classic. Like, yes. I feel like VH1 should air this movie every single holiday season. Absolutely. Like, I can't believe because I feel like they stopped airing this movie at a certain point. Like, I oh, can't absolutely. remember as I got older seeing this on VH1. Mm-mm. Like, by the time I was in middle school, we definitely had like cable in our home yeah and yeah. i don't remember seeing this movie yeah so that's why i was like what the heck a diva's christmas carol because i think i would have really liked this too yeah as a kid it's just like it's, a shame it's given just enough like music yeah like especially if you're a vh1 fan yeah like you're watching vh1 for a reason uh-huh and so there's just enough musical artists in the film right to to get you through you're like oh yes you know vanessa williams chili you know brian mcknight you know again i had really no clue what to expect except i only really knew that vanessa williams was in this movie so every time like a new person would pop up i was like what the heck like when chili (laughs) popped up i was like what (laughs) and then um like niall rogers when he was there was like oh my god vh1 and then brian mcknight being in the movie too yeah i was i was surprised like i think I was surprised in the context of 2023 because VH1 now is like completely different. What is music programming? Yeah. But it makes sense when you remember like at that time, this was a channel that really facilitated music artists. Right. And so artists of that stature were willing to do anything like VH1 or MTV related. Right. So I should have not been surprised, but in 2023 I am. (laughs) I was really trying not to spoil it for you. Yeah. Because every time we would talk about it, I was just like, I wanted to say Chili's name, but I was like, okay, let me not spoil it. I'm happy you did it. it. Yeah, (laughs) I didn't know Kathy Griffin was in it either. Like when she popped up, I was like, what? Yeah. (laughs) Wow. It's literally like a star-studded film. Yeah, Which is is crazy, Mm -hmm. you know? Okay, wait, I have a question though. Yes. So, you know, like you said, A Diva's Christmas Carol, it's a take on Charles Dickens. A Christmas Carol. So yes. I wanted to know, was this the version of A Christmas Carol that you grew up with? Because there's been so many versions of that story yeah. done. So was this the one that was like your Christmas Carol? Absolutely. Oh, okay. And it doesn't even come close to the other ones. Oh, okay. See, mine was um, the Disney one. Oh, yeah. Not yeah. like the, the newish one, but like the, like the cartoon yeah, yeah. Like with the characters. But my number one was the Flintstones. <laughs> Oh my, I totally forgot about that. You remember the Flintstones had a Christmas carol? Yeah. That one like really made me emotional. Like I would watch it every year and I was like, wow. Not the Flintstones. (laughs) Yeah. It It was deep, you guys. I'm going to have to sit back and watch that one again. Yeah. I I, I wonder if it's on YouTube, but that was definitely like a Christmas staple was the Flintstones version of a Christmas carol. No, this was definitely my my go-to christmas carol okay for sure nice what's well, a good one you know it's a fun one classic you know a classic well let's get into the scene breakdowns so this is a segment where much like uh in our music uh episodes where we go track by track we are going to not go scene by scene because that would take up way too much time <laughs> lord 
<laughs> but <laughs> where each of us are going to pick three scenes to go over and we will try and go over these scenes in chronological order. Yeah, because listeners, that's the thing with these movie episodes and the TV episodes is Angie and I, we really don't know which scenes we talked about, like which scenes we're going to talk about. So yeah, it's a surprise. <laughs> yes. Steffi, what is your first scene? Okay, so the first scene that I picked was the Heartquake and Sleigh Ride performance. Okay, okay. So does my scene come before yours or after? I think I think my scene comes before yours. Okay, yeah, so it's go like ahead. right before. Okay, so go. Okay, so my first scene is the earthquake when uh, <laughs> Chili first comes in. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh my yeah. god, that was so. <laughs> let me tell you like i said before i only oh watched this this movie because of chili rosanda chili thomas of tlc so let me set it up all right vanessa williams character her name is ebony ebony has already been established as a hot mess and a supreme diva at this point yeah She's treating everyone around her like trash, including her relative, Olivia. And then as she's in the hotel watching TV, an earthquake starts and classic lines commence. Okay. The hell? There are no earthquakes in New York. First of all, it's Vanessa Williams or Ebony's character being like, what is going on? Like, there's like a, a 6.7 earthquake happening. I love how she's like, like, she's just what's like, going she's on? just so unfazed by it. Like, I think unfazed. that was like the funniest thing is that she was so unfazed. Like, the room would be violently shaking. She's just like lounging on the couch. She's like, what is going on? And then like the fridge would like dramatically open. She's yeah. like, I'm not paying for that. Like... <laughs> Hey, I'm not paying for that. Seven dollars for goobers? That's when I was like, you know, Ebony, she must have a home in LA. Yes. Because I feel like us California people, like we do get faced, but not really. We're just like, oh, an earthquake happened. But if people not from California came, they'd be like, yeah, oh yeah. God, uh, the earthquake is gonna, it's gonna happen. So I, when she was just like lounging on the couch, not a care in the world, I was like a woman with multiple properties, one of which is in LA. But then I'm literally sitting there and I'm just like, there is like, low-key lightning <laughs> it's like a tornado in her in your room like girl why aren't you panicking you know, know. what i'm saying and then she was like this is completely unacceptable like, and she's like i'm gonna call and complain <laughs> yes. well this is just unacceptable hello hello get me the manager so then we hear like a knock on the door and so she called and complained. She was like, oh, my God, that was fast. That was like her only compliment to the staff the entire film. Right. <laughs> that was quick. And then she opens up the door and she starts screaming because who does she see? A ghost from her past <laughs> in walks Chili, Rosanda Chili Thomas from TLC. Looking good. Looking good as ever. <laughs> Let me tell you. Okay. <laughs> 
Ebony. <laughs> Ebony, don't be afraid. <laughs> you know me, girl. Well, like hell I do. I was your best friend, your partner. Sister, you need help. I really am Marley. Look, you may think you're Marley, and, and maybe you look a little like her, but you're crazy, and Marley is dead. <laughs> you're telling me. And Marley is one of the former bandmates of Ebony. Yes. In this band called Desire. And unfortunately, Marley ended up in a car crash and dying. Oh my God. Right? <laughs> wait, pause. Okay, wait. So when we were getting her backstory, I was like, when did Left Eye die? Oh, oh. And then I was like, oh, she died after. Yeah, two years after. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, considering how Left Eye died. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. I was like, that is dark. I didn't even think about Her that. Her section is dark, Angie. Julie's section is dark. Look at Angie's face. I didn't, I didn't That's even what I that. thought of. We begin tonight with tragic news of a life cut short. TLC band member Lisa Left Eye Lopez was killed last night in a car crash in Central America. It happened in Honduras. Authorities say she lost control of a rented SUV she was driving. They also say seven other people in the car were injured. When they were giving the backstory of um, Chili's character dying in a car crash, I was like, oh my God, that must be so weird for her to like right. do that considering how Left Eye died. And I was like, oh wait, no, this was before Left Eye died. And I was like, oh my God, that's really creepy. Well, where were you Christmas Eve 1990? Where was I? I was getting the news that you got messed up and wrapped your Porsche around a tree. Yeah. And I took two innocent lives with me. I didn't, I just never put those two together. Because I think I've always just seen Chili in that movie so separate from TLC. I, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. It's just like, oh yeah, it's Marley. <laughs> it's Marley. She's the ghost who's taking off her head. <laughs> that was you know? dark too. <laughs> that was dark too. <laughs> I felt like that was a creative choice. Of, you don't even see what her face looks like. You just see Vanessa Williams' reaction to it. Yeah, she's like, she's like oh, my, oh God. my God. They don't have like skincare. Down. <laughs> this is what I really look like. <sighs> I guess they don't have facials in the afterlife. <laughs> facials. And again, it's like there's these super dark moments, but then there's like these funny lines that are following it up. So she's like, Yeah, there's no spas, there's no facials, no manicures. Is <laughs> it Ebony's like, No manicures? Oh my I gosh. And she's like, and that's why I'm here. <laughs> Not for any other reason. Like, girl, you can't get a manicure. That's why I'm here to save you yeah. from this afterlife. Right. Let me tell she's you. She's like, I know you're high maintenance and you are not gonna survive down there. <laughs> so girl, no facials, no massages, no body wraps, and you break your nails every day. <gasps> no, not the nails. Yes. That's why I'm here, Ebony, to help you. Do my nails? No, to save your soul. It was a great entry moment to somebody really checking Ebony. That was like the first person to really check Ebony, be like, girl, you don't phase me. Like, we about to just like chop it up, mm -hmm, you know? And mm -hmm. I felt like there was just classic lines. Again, when Chili pulled off her head, that was funny. When she took off her face, Vanessa Williams' face was just freaking hilarious. Yeah. Like, I just, I love that scene. I love that scene so much. I was just rolling. Right. It, it really makes me laugh. It gives me a hearty chuckle. Yeah. Okay? It's really funny. It's really funny. <laughs> yeah. And if you don't know that Chili's in this movie, yeah. wow, what a shocker. 
I didn't know who to expect at the door, but when she showed up, I was like, oh, we have multiple divas in yes. this movie. You're going to be visited by three spirits at one o'clock, two, Ooh, and... Tonight's no good. Well, tough. I have to get some sleep. I have AM America at seven. The I've got spirits. A... <laughs> they don't care about no talk show. Oh, Marley, no one cares about talk shows. So my first scene is their songs when they perform Heartquake and Sleigh Ride. And the setup is Kathy Griffin is our ghost of Christmas past. Let me guess. You're the first spirit? Was it the dress? I hope you know you're not getting a tip. It's okay. I'm a spirit. Our currency is magic and creepiness. And she, you know, is taking Vanessa Williams, a.k.a. Ebony, to different previous Christmases, which those were dark, too. Yes. Literally, when they were showing her childhood, in my head, I was like, what the fuck is this, Angie? (laughs) I was like, not a Joe Jackson Christmas. You learned that, like... Ebony was abused as a child and then child welfare separated her and her brother and there's this like really sad scene where they're like reaching for you like no no (laughs) and then then you learn that the brother grew up and then had an aneurysm and the only family she has is her niece I was like wow yeah trauma I would be mean too I'd be a bitch too so (laughs) let's go another Christmas hey isn't there any other night you can show me uh, there was a New Year's in 95 that oh, was right, really... Oh, right, that Arbor Day in 96. Woo, they're still talking. Sorry, I just do Christmas. Problem is, your little thin on Christmas is worth remembering. And that's my fault? Well, <laughs> there's one. So then we get to Christmas in the late 80s in New York. I believe it's 1988. Yes. And this is when we see for the first time Desire. Yes. The up-and-coming girl group about to go on their first world tour. And you see Vanessa Williams... Chili and this actress named Stephanie Biddle, who plays Terry. Yes. They're introducing them on stage, and the girls are like, one for all, all for one. And then <laughs> right before they're about to perform, Vanessa Williams like turns around and like moves Move. her mic forward to be in front of the other girls. And then the other girls are looking at each other like, what the fuck? And before they could even like get into a fight, they start singing their song. They like do a little snake, and they're like, ooh. <laughs> And now, Club 52 and WRKZ present the number one new R&B act in the nation. All for one. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for Desire! Ebony was like, I will not be 20 feet from stardom. Exactly. I will be in the front. Yeah. Okay. Drop my mic into the spotlight. <laughs> you can't be serious. Must be some mistake. Am I delirious? Do I feel a heartquake? This is critical. How much can I take? It's so electrical. Know that it's a heartquake. This is my second my second scene oh this is your second scene. okay yes. so yeah go ahead what, what are your thoughts this okay first of all heartquake a bop a, a whole bop yeah like a legit bop yeah. like it's a really good song yeah you know what i'm saying Ooh, okay fun fact that i learned at yes. least from listening to like other podcasts that talked about this movie because when i tried googling information about this movie there's like nothing nothing so i had to listen nothing. to other podcasts talking about it and one of the hosts at least according to to him he said the director and writer 
reached out to actual songwriters in the industry. Nice. Yeah, and the songwriters that they had um, approached, they had this song since the 80s because this song Whoa. was originally intended for the Pointer Sisters. Oh, that would have been a great song for the Pointer Sisters. Yeah. Yes. But, you know, they obviously never used it, so they just hung on to it. Right, And then they right. used it for this film. It's a bop. Yeah, it's a bop. They should have released it, mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. It's a really, really catchy song, too. Yeah. And I consider this... A Christmas song. If this was available on like streaming services, it'd be really funny if Angie was DJing a Christmas party <laughs> because you get like all these very on the nose Christmas songs and then just suddenly heartquake and then half the people would be like, what? You can't be serious. Is this? this is some mistake. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta feel the heartquake. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I'm like, if you know, you know. For the... The girls who get it, they get it, okay? This is the weeding out process. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, I love the costuming. The fact that Vanessa Williams looks like her 80s version <laughs> of herself. Like, yeah. she just looks like the 80s version of herself, which is like on point. Seeing Chili with the big hair. Like, yeah. oh my gosh. I just, this is one of my favorite scenes. And then the sleigh ride. Oh, I, lo I love their version of sleigh ride. <laughs> Let me tell you. It's good. Right? When I rewatched yeah. it, I was like, I knew all the ad-libs. I knew everything. I was like, oh yeah. I, I remember I really... I fucked with this song. Yeah, this was a bop. Yep. Mm -hmm. I like the part when they're like, da, 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 da. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> Just hear those sleigh bells jingling, ring, ding, jingling, too. Come on, it's lovely weather for a sleigh ride together with you. Outside the snow is falling and friends are calling you who. Come on, it's lovely weather for a sleigh ride together with you. rendition is so good like for me i feel like this scene is the heart of the movie yeah Ooh, that's good yeah yeah i feel like <laughs> we're hard it's a hard quake just... angie <laughs> i feel like if you just watch that scene you would get a lot of what is happening in the whole movie mm -hmm. like it's literally just the heart of the film yeah i love to Vanessa Williams like current day like Ebony and Ghost of Christmas Pass watching yeah. them because their banter is like really funny too yeah Kathy Griffin at one point is like not bad and then Vanessa Williams is like not bad what are you a critic <laughs> yeah. not bad not bad well the harmonies are a little predictable and the dancing's a little you know dated what are you, a critic? No, no, not professionally, but where I hang out, Billie Holiday duets with Otis Redding. And last night, Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell were doing Nothing this. worse than a cocky spirit. <laughs> that made me laugh. That was really funny. Oh, gosh. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, amazing one-liners mm -hmm. in this film. Mm -hmm. So shout out to the writer and director, because he did what was supposed to be done, you know? Okay, I have a question for you. Yes. I want to know... Which divas do you think inspired Ebony? <laughs> like the character. Like who were the writers like thinking about? Who was VH1 thinking about when they were like, okay, let's create this ultimate bitch diva 
for this film. Okay. Mm-mm. So this is 2000. Yeah. By 1999. Who? Okay. I'm going to say Aretha. Okay. Diana Ross. See, I have Diana Ross too. Yes. Because I was thinking like she's a diva that came from a girl group. Yes. Yes. And, you know, there's some lore that yeah. she may or may not have screwed over the other girls in the group to get ahead. So. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes, yes. And I say Aretha because I'm also thinking of VH1 Divas, Divas Live. Right. And there was like some behind the scenes stuff that went down with Aretha. Mm. So maybe Aretha. I wonder if like the VH1 assistants were like, okay, let me get into that writer's room and I can give you all of the fucking tea right. that happened during <laughs> right. Divas Live 98 and Divas Live right. 99. We have a plethora right. of material to work with. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, they were like that girl in 13 Reasons Why when she was like making tapes for every single person. So oh, this movie yeah. was their 13th Reason Why. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. And I would say probably if we're going to talk about like the newer divas at the time, maybe Mariah. Yeah. Maybe Mariah. I was thinking for sure Mariah too. But then I was thinking Mariah because the branding of Christmas. Yeah. 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 You know? Yeah. But in 2000, I don't really think Mariah Carey was branding herself as like the queen of Christmas in the way that she is now. Not at all. I think... The way that she branded herself as the Queen of Christmas is a fairly new phenomenon. Yeah. Like for within sure. the past like five, six years. It's like totally Mariah Carey, Queen of Christmas, you know? Yeah. So Yeah. yeah. And I feel like I also got like maybe hints of Whitney too. Yeah, with, I could see that. with with Ebony. Yeah, yeah. There were some specific outfits that she wore that was giving me like Whitney Houston backstage at the My Love is Your Love tour. Ooh. Period. Okay, yes. yes. Like, you know that scene where she's checking into her room at the hotel yes. and she has like this black and white leopard coat yes. and just like this very dramatic hood yes. with the glasses. I was like, I swear to God, I've seen Whitney Houston. It's something very similar <laughs> to that. It's giving very much the bodyguard too. Yeah, because in, in the bodyguard too, remember Rachel Marin has that line. She's like, I know I have a reputation for being a bitch. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah. You probably won't believe this. But I have a reputation for being a bitch. <laughs> so we have Whitney, Mariah, Aretha, Diana. Yep. Mm-hmm. There you go. Put them together. Good. That's who you get, Ebony. <laughs> okay, so which girl groups, though, do you think inspired Desire? Of course, the Supremes. The Supremes, yeah. Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. But I could also see, like, In Vogue. Me too. Okay, I have. Those were my yeah. two. Okay, okay. Those were my two. Yeah. In Vogue was notorious for, like, trying to push a front woman but there really wasn't a front woman and Mm. like all of that situation like difficult group dynamics absolutely yeah and then i was thinking too and vogue because they have that song called desire off of funky divas oh look at you look at you i know we're look at synthesis of our material on the pod (laughs) i pay attention (laughs) i may not remember the album names but i pay attention a little bit of swv too yeah i could see that i could see that but i feel like invo gives more of that the glam 
of like the traditional girl group like uh, mm-hmm. a supreme you know yeah like if this was like a pie chart maybe like a tiny sliver of swv but yeah. i think the supremes and en vogue are more of like a larger pieces of the pie absolutely absolutely yeah yeah look at that oh look at us okay so <laughs> what's your second scene my second scene was desires heartquake oh okay it was this oh so what okay. what is your second scene okay oh okay my second scene okay well let's see if it's the same oh my gosh mine is ghost of christmas future aka vh1 behind the music bro <laughs> oh we match okay perfect <laughs> Here we go. We said, screw over, Ghost of Christmas present. We don't care about you. No. (laughs) Okay, so the setup is Ebony is now being visited by the last ghost, the Ghost of Christmas future. And instead of it being like an actual person, it is VH1 Behind the Music. Coming up on Behind the Music, the remarkable life and tragic death of a diva. What? And Vanessa Williams, aka Ebony, just sits and watches her episode of VH1 Behind the Music. And we learn so many things, namely that Ebony has died. Yeah. We don't know what the cause of death is because she She seems to be pretty healthy, but she just died. (laughs) And there are different people talking about her, including Niall Rogers. Yeah. Shocker. Um, And he kind of plays like a greedy record executive uh, giving shades of like L.A. Reid and (laughs) Clive Davis. Mm -hmm. Ebony was a great artist, one of the most important in the history of my label. And she'll continue to be important. I mean, between best of albums, dance remixes, the unreleased songs, there's going to be Ebony music for years. And then you also see Brian McKnight pop up in there. Had no idea he was in this. And his role is like, we learned that he wrote a song and Ebony just so happened to record it the day before she died, of course. And then they're like, oh, we're going to release it as a memorial single. And now Brian McKnight can afford a new swimming pool. And he's like, thanks, Ebony. (laughs) (laughs) It's the way he did it. It was like with the the fear. Yeah, I was like, thanks, "Thanks, Ebony. (laughs) The workers are coming in. (laughs) I heard that Ebony was recording a song of mine and I was thrilled. Her albums always shipped gold, minimal. And then I heard that she died and I was crushed. But what he didn't know was that Ebony had recorded a demo of the song just the day before. We rush released it as a memorial single. And it went through the roof, it was great. Uh, And the workers are just about finished with the new pool. Thanks Ebony, I'll never forget you. You bastard. But yeah, my, my thoughts are I just think it's really funny that VH1 behind the music was the stand-in ghost yeah. for this. Because yeah. I was really like, at this point, thinking, oh my God, who are they going to get? <laughs> no one. They're going to just get VH1 behind the music. And I think it's also like really meta because I love when you're watching it. One, it's meta in the context of Vanessa Williams because they're probably using real life footage they of were. Vanessa Williams for Absolutely. this. They were. <laughs> Because Save the Best for Last was definitely was in there. (laughs) (laughs) The black and white. I was like, wait, is it the music video? It's literally the music video. (laughs) Yeah. So then when I was watching that, you've seen everything everywhere all at once, right? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Okay. So do you remember 
there's one point in that film when it's kind of like the alternate reality where Michelle Yeoh is like a like a famous actress. Oh yeah, and yeah. they're showing like red carpet footage, but it's like in that movie they're literally using real life footage of yeah. Michelle Yeoh at the carpet for Crazy Rich Asians. Yes, and I remember watching that movie and be like, oh my god, that's so funny, and that's kind of like what they're doing here. Absolutely, absolutely, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's also like really meta too in the context of VH1 because it's just VH1 promoting themselves. Yeah. So like imagine you're watching this movie on VH1 and then VH1 is promoting <laughs> right. other <laughs> shows that they yeah. have on their channel, like behind the music. <laughs> and then um, it was just also like, I guess, commentary on that when an artist dies narrative, yeah. which we've talked a ton about on this pod. Right. And you see like all the industry moves that happen after an yeah. artist dies. So it's like Niall Rogers saying, well, good thing. Like we, we're going to make a best of album yeah. and we're going to get the memorial single. And she's right. worth 10 times more dead than alive. Of course, it's always tragic when an artist dies so young. But ultimately, I have to say it's the best thing that could have happened. <laughs> Better now than later, that's for sure. You know, she's worth 10 times as much dead as she is alive. 10 times? Make that 20. <laughs> and then there's a part where they're like, we found a personal item, her diary, and we're going to be selling it. I was like, oh, Pat Houston, right. did you watch this movie, girl? Exactly. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. Prepping. <laughs> she was taking notes. Yeah. She, said, oh. she was taking notes watching <laughs> The Bodyguard and A Diva's Christmas Carol. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> we were lucky to come across Ebony's personal diary. Very juicy Nightmare. Stuff. I mean, we're talking deepest fears, emotional insecurities, the real inside dirt. Quite a find. Of course, the book will be published this fall. An advanced copy of the book was leaked by one of her closest friends Don't and read from my diary. Oh my gosh. Yeah, no, I, I love this scene because it's such a time capsule yeah. of what VH1 was all about. Mm -hmm. And I think if you grew up on behind the scenes, it's like so nostalgic in a very specific way where it was like you remember certain things of like a behind the music and they hit every single point there's always that catty person in behind the music who's like spilling all the tea yeah you know there's always the quotables in every single episode of behind the music it's not only meta for them to promote themselves but they did it to a t like they knew what their brand was yeah. and they know what they do uh -huh. and they like represent it perfectly in that moment. You know what I'm saying? They know who's watching this movie. They know who's watching. They're VH1 fans yeah. are watching this freaking movie. Exactly. You know, and I'm just like, oh, I love it. I love it. I love it so much. And it made me miss behind the music. Yeah. Like I, I missed hearing that narrator's voice. Oh, when yeah. He was like Absolutely. on this special edition <laughs> yeah. of behind the music and i was like oh this bitch died as soon as he said on this special edition i was like i know i remember watching that as a kid it wouldn't be a special edition if she was out and about she died Not out and about. tonight a special edition ebony behind the music i'm not out to impress i'm out there doing my thing and if people dig it it's great just watching my Being show but also too i feel like this movie is such a cult classic if you grew up on VH1. Yeah. Because... It's a tribute to us, you guys. It's a tribute It literally to us. is. It's like you wouldn't get all the musical cameos if you weren't on VH1 and you didn't grow up on VH1. Right. Like, it's just such a nostalgic time capsule of 
that time Mm -hmm. and that's why i love that scene so much totally and it's just funny too yes because they were just they was ripping her life (laughs) she was like that that wasn't true i mean it was a little bit yeah (laughs) (laughs) but she made uh mariah carey go out oh my god in underwear (laughs) okay can we take a pause for a second to talk about all of the diva name drops that happened throughout this movie, but especially that happened in this segment. Yeah. So, okay, I counted several. So I have here, Whitney is name dropped in the beginning, is she not? Yes. Because there's a point when she's like, Whitney's got her own people. Right, exactly. Yes, yes, yes. You know, they're good. We should take them on the road. Whitney's got her own hey. people, so I... The concert. And then also, when they're playing charades... There's a guy when they're like trying to guess the song. That's right. Yeah. There's a guy that's like, oh, Heartbreak Hotel. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, heart. Heart? The heartbeat. <laughs> heartbreak Hotel. You guys listened to our previous four week spectacular. Mm-hmm. My Love is Your Love like came out like what, a year or so prior to this movie coming out? Yeah. So that makes sense. Yeah. And then so now we're in the behind the music portion. So... We, we get Mariah. Yes. Ebony stole Mariah Carey's dress, so Mariah had to go out in her underwear. Yeah. Remember the time Ebony stole Mariah Carey's dress at a TV taping? Poor girl had to go out in her underwear. That's not true. Exactly. Luckily, nobody noticed. And then we also get Bette Midler. Oh, yeah. Because on the tombstone, Ebony's like grave, there's the quote, it's like, she was the wind beneath our wings. Yeah. And then Ebony's like, no, not Bette Midler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rest in peace, Ebony. Rest in peace. No, not Bette Midler. And then also, I think Celine gets it the worst. Poor Celine. Like, how can anyone be mean to Celine Dion? She's probably like the least angriest diva, quote unquote, <laughs> reputation person on this list. During the behind the music portion, when Ebony's kind of like in denial that this is about her, she's like, oh, they're probably really talking about Celine Dion. Yeah. It's a simple mistake, obviously. They're, they're probably really talking about Celine Dion. And then she walks to the bed and she finds like a, like a corpse in the bed and she's like, it is Celine Dion. <laughs> it is Celine Dion. Poor Celine. She's just taking the hits, bro. Maybe because also I maybe think, Aretha walked into the writers' room because she was upset. That I, was about to, I was about to say that that Celine was kind of doing her thing. I'll try to out sing. Yeah, Miss Aretha. Aretha's like, let me give you a note at the VH1 Divas. Yeah, it <laughs> wasn't Mariah on the stage, and she was just like, mm-hmm. yeah, and she was like, you're not supposed <laughs> to do that. You have to respect the divas that came before. And Celine is like, I have this voice, so let me use it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's like, let me let me play. <laughs> that Divas Live was the only time that I actually performed with her. I was very intimidated and didn't want to perform with her. Everybody else was like, let me have a... I'm not saying anything against anybody else. Yes. But I felt there was a thing where it was like they wanted to be able to say, like, they took her on. I was like, I'll be with the background singers, okay? Right, right. That's the queen of soul. Yes. And Patti LaBelle actually told me, she was like, honey, you did the right thing. Because if you would have participated in that situation, I would have had to... Because she knew that that's the queen and that's what you do. (laughs) 
taking Mama to the vocal cord. And you were killing it. Were you out of body on stage when you were with Aretha? When you're close to Aretha, you're, you're out of your brain. You're out of your body. You're out of your soul. You learn, you learn something. You learn about what is singing is all about, what a soul is all about, and what is a queen. <laughs> that was Aretha. And it's still Aretha. So what is your last scene? Okay, my last scene then is, this is so ridiculous that I even chose this as a scene, but it's literally the last scene. Oh. When we get a very special line. Like literally the last scene. <laughs> it is literally the last scene, literally the last line of this movie. So oh setup is we time jump one year later and everyone is happy because Ebony is not a bitch anymore. No. And then in this final scene, Ebony gets handed her grandniece by Olivia because yes. they've now repaired their relationship. Right. And literally the last line of this movie is nobody pees on the diva. Yeah. Be careful. It may be a sweetheart now, but nobody pees on the diva. <laughs> as soon as the camera started to pan away, I was like, what a wild way to end this this movie. Like that's really how they ended it. Nobody pees on the diva. Period. Close the laptop. Like Vanessa Credits. Williams. Yeah, credits. <laughs> Vanessa Williams, I hope you got paid well because that is a tough line to sell. What I really want to know is what was Vanessa Williams' thoughts when she got to that last line in the script? I wonder if she was like flipping, like, is that it? Is that the last page? That's the that final line. Closer. <laughs> Boom. Mic drop, she said. But nobody pees on the diva. So I want to know, though, do you believe that Ebony actually changed oh because the cynic in me is like i don't know i don't believe her like i know the one-year time jump would suggest that she did but i have questions and also i'm just like really impressed that when she came back yeah on christmas day yeah like after you know she got scared by the ghosts i was just like really impressed by how much she did within the 24 hour time span right yeah. You know, she's like, I'm going to call the hospital. Right. We're going to get these people on a flight. Right. We're going to feed the children. Yeah. I'm going to feed my staff. Like, and we're going to put on a Christmas show and fire my shady money manager. I was like, Ebony was shook after the ghost scared her because ultimately, and maybe this is more so like my personal problem <laughs> with the source material. So Charles Dickens, I do have notes, but like, isn't the entire story of A Christmas Carol essentially the story of how a quote unquote bad person got scared into being good? Yeah, absolutely. I think in Ebony's case, I don't think she necessarily was scared into being good. I think the behind the music did more wonders than anything else. <laughs> Cause she was just like, Oh, these, these mofos right here. Oh, they trying to take my money. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to switch it up on them that I feel like that's where it came from. Oh wow. More okay. so than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think Marley Chili's character did much. I think she was just like, Oh damn your face. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. No manicures. That's crazy. Oh, look at us. You know, in the group, we look cute. But when that behind the music came on, she really was like, oh, my gosh, they really they don't care about me. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. You know? yeah. I think it's great that she'll be remembered. But 
Thank God we don't have to deal with her. I mean, great singer. Nice butt. But such a bitch. She smelled really bad. Oh, you were all fired. It took her seeing people around her only using her for her money, mm. which she might have a deep fear about anyways, being used, right? Right. Here's me, like, psychoanalyzing. I love how Ebony we're psychoanalyzing, <laughs> Ebony. I don't think anyone's ever done that while talking about this movie, so. <laughs> I, but I think she she probably has a big fear of being used, of being hurt, seeing how her childhood was in, like, this, you know, yeah. very abusive space. So I think seeing people after she passed away, not caring about her in the end. Like, I think at the end of the day, she low-key still wants to be cared for. Mm. And her not seeing that in the behind the music, like, it was nobody. Nobody gave a shit. They were just like, man, she was a bitch. (laughs) All right. Glad we got that money. Like, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I think the behind the music did more for her switch up. But also, I think within that year, she probably like went to therapy with her like niece because her niece, uh, her Olivia was very much like, oh, no, 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 let's talk about some shit. You know, you're an asshole. Let's, I love how you're like repair. filling in the blanks. This yes. is like now AU fan fiction. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, I, I, I feel like she had to um, mend a lot of relationships, mm-hmm. like even to get Terry back on stage. That's probably a conversation that she had to have. Oh my gosh, I wish we saw that. I know, right? That's too much for her to do in 24 hours. See, that's another thing that she did. Yeah. (laughs) And that's the thing too. Like, I I just feel like, especially with Marley dying the way that she did, and it seems like Ebony didn't have contact with Terry. Like, what was Terry's views about Marley's death? And how did that affect her? And Mm -hmm. why would she suddenly want to be on stage with Ebony? Like, after all these years of her being a bitch. You know what would have been really funny, too, is, like, after, like, in in that 24-hour time span, too, if she was like, and I solved the case of how Marley died. They said it was just a car accident. They didn't say she was drunk. Yeah, but then, like, remember in her behind the music, they were like, and rumor has it that she cut the brake lines. That's right. So that would have been really funny That's if she right. was like, yes. you guys, I also solved this lo- unsolved mystery within a 24-hour time span. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. You know, some people say she even took out Marley Jacob. <gasps> I never believed that rumor. Cut the brake line. Anyway, that's uh, just what I heard. <gasps> that is terrible. Well, just like getting into like the lore of Ebony as a diva. Yeah. Who I think we could now add to our fictional diva bracket. Okay, okay. All right. Because we learned so much about her in that yeah. behind the music that, you know, great artist with ambition, but she has anger problems and she's a bitch. Yep. Ebony's fierce temper was well known. Get this guy. Get get the get, get the camera out of here. One time she fired her personal staff for making eye contact with her and not backing out of the room. But I want to know who do you think? Let's maybe let's scratch looking at the in real life. Let's look at her fictional diva counterparts then. Yes. Is Ebony on the same level as Rachel Marin from The Bodyguard? Yes. Who's more famous, Ebony or Rachel? I feel like they're both famous but for different reasons. Mm. It's like 
very much a Whitney Mariah. Mariah? Okay. Yeah, situation. Who do you think is more famous, Billy Frank from Glitter or Ebony? Ebony. Ebony. Billy Frank was like on her way up towards the end of the movie. <laughs> Girl, she j- she got one hit record. No, <laughs> so you think you think Billy Frank is a one hit wonder? I don't think she's a one hit wonder, but by the by the end of Glitter, she had that one hit, and old dude dies. Like <laughs> Ebony got hits on hits. Okay, Heartquake. Okay. Listen, <laughs> get on her level. Listen, she's been here since the eighties. Thank you. <laughs> She went from girl group to single, like not. Nah. Yeah, she she went through the diva pipeline. Yes, the absolutely. girl group to single diva pipeline. Yep. Okay, what about Allie from A Star Is Born, Lady Gaga's character? Who's more Who's more famous? Who's more critically acclaimed, Allie or Ebony? Mm, critically acclaimed. That's the. I feel like critically acclaimed is Allie. Allie. Yes, but I feel like still the bigger diva is. Ebony. Okay. Ebony is like the Diana Ross. Yeah. Like we're not critically acclaiming Diana Ross. True. In thing. True. Right. True. We should be. We should be though. Right. But she's just Diana Ross. She's so big. Yeah. She's she's Diana Ross. Yeah, I get you. Right. I feel like Ebony is in that that sphere where it's just like it's Ebony. One name only. One name only. Ebony. And she's got the black and white music videos, which is save the best for last. Yeah. <laughs> like she she has the prestige. I feel like in terms of the big divas, the person who will be critically acclaimed and as big of a diva as Ebony is Rachel Marin because she has the voice. And Rachel Marin also, you guys, won an Oscar. Exact. There you go. There you go. Mm. Okay. Solve that. Boom. Solve that. Yeah. Okay. How did you feel about the storyline with Ebony and Bob, her... Oh, the ex? Look, Bob, I am grateful for everything you've done for me. I mean, I wouldn't even have a record deal if it wasn't for you. This is not about a record deal. It's not like I'm firing you or anything. I want you on the road. Fire me? I am your boyfriend every bit as much as I am... How's this? When the tour's over, we'll... See how things are, how we feel, okay? Okay, wait, I was like, is this Robin Crawford lore? (laughs) Because they were like, Bob stayed, Bob stayed, okay? Bob and Ebony were romantically involved and then Ebony low-key treated Bob like trash, but Bob stayed and kept working for Ebony the entire time. And I was like, oh my God, whoa. (laughs) The VH1 assistant saw things. They saw things. You you forever are going to put Robin and Whitney in everything. You guys, this, Angie, am I wrong? Am I wrong? You're not wrong. You're not wrong. I'm not wrong. I was like, poor Robin. Poor, I mean, Bob. Poor Bob. <laughs> Rob, Bob, uh, Robin. Rob, yeah, yeah, Rob, Bob. <laughs> things happen, you know, out of sight, out of mind. Don't throw cliches at me. Just give me a little space, okay? There's another one. Oh my gosh. Okay, I can see it. I can see it. I never put two and two together, but I could definitely see it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they saw things. Absolutely. Maybe we need like the VH1 PAs that helped to write this film. 
come to the pod. Absolutely. We Your need... NDAs must be up by now. I just want the notes. Yeah. Yeah. Give me the storyboards. Yeah, we want we want the writer's notes. Give me the inspiration pictures. Mm-hmm. I want everything. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Give us the notes. Two more questions before oh. we move on to the rest of the episode. Okay. Question. Okay. If Vanessa Williams was nominated for Best Actress at the Oscars for A Diva's Christmas Carol, what would be her Oscar clip? I would. Oh, that's a good question. For those of you guys who don't know, because I feel like the Oscars now, they don't like they kind of do, but they don't really do Oscar yeah. clips, which yeah. is really annoying. Right, right, right. Bring back the Oscar <laughs> clips. But before when they would read out the nominations, they would play a clip from the film. So you're like, oh, OK, that was the performance. But now when you watch yeah. the Oscars, it's like they play a little clip, but then there's like it's like a montage. Yeah. It's like, no, 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 no. We want. We want a clip of the performance. So right. what would be the clip for Vanessa Williams if she was nominated for an Oscar for Best Actress for A Diva's Christmas Carol? Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go with the uh, the the earthquake scene. Oh, I'm, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> that's a very good one. I'm going with the earthquake scene. Hey, I'm not paying for that. Seven dollars for goobers? acceptable what's yours okay i i just think this scene is really funny but i would pick when kathy griffin drops her into the vortex and she goes ah! yes and she's just like falling <laughs> and she keeps screaming and kathy yeah. goes like i got you <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean when you drop me that would suck for you it's a long way down but that's my point let's find out And Angie, what is your letterbox rating? If you were actually using your letterboxed, what would be your letterboxed rating for A Diva's Christmas Carol? Are we going to make this a thing? Yeah, I'm planning whenever we do, like, we finish wrapping up talking about the movie, like our scenes, we end with these two questions. Like, what would be their Oscar clip? And then what is the letterbox rating? Okay, let's... I I see what you're doing. You're setting up for... You guys, you have to have a plan. You have to have a plan. I, I see the brain working. We move multiple steps forward here. So, Angie, what is your letterbox rating for A Diva's Christmas Carol? I would give it a solid 7.0. Okay, there's Wait, only no, five but, stars yeah, yeah, on a letterbox. So. I know, I know. Um, Okay. Three and a half stars. Three and a half stars. Four. That's generous. Whoa. <laughs> Four. <laughs> I would give it. I would give it. A, but this is like straight nostalgia. This is like it's coming from the heart for you. It's cult classic for me. So I will. I'm going to give it a solid three and a half. Okay. A solid three and a half. Okay. I gave it a two and a half. Okay. Okay. You didn't grow up on it. I didn't grow up on it, but I'm also like measuring it just like in terms of a movie. I'm not measuring it on the oh. scale of like a lifetime Hallmark VH1. I'm like, this is a movie. I see. You're just like, if it just came out right now, yeah. What is it getting? Yeah, it'd be a 2.5, but I feel like if it was on the scale of like a lifetime Hallmark, I'd give it like a 3.5, maybe a four on that scale. Out of a Hallmark? Uh, yeah. Okay. On that scale. Okay, that's yeah. fair. 
It's watchable. It's absolutely watchable. And she has bops. Bops on top of bops. Okay. And I love divas. I think all those factors. Yeah. Make it a three and a half. Mm-hmm. Just For saying. Angie. For Angie. To reiterate, for Angie. Follow us on Letterboxd. Angie <laughs> is at, I don't remember, but our Letterboxd are on the episode description. Yes. You could follow me. I'm at <laughs> INN underscore MHO on Letterboxd. Thank you, listeners. Oh, my God. <laughs> Do you have anything else you wanted to add before we go, go on to the go next? On to the next one. Okay. You can't be serious. Must be some mistake. Am I delirious? I feel a All right, you guys. So if you listen to our music episodes, you would know we usually divide it into two parts, but with films, we try to keep it with one single episode. So this is technically where part two would begin, but this is, you know, part two of the discussion. And we are now going to talk about, I guess, the era, if you will, of A Diva's Christmas Carol in Vanessa Williams' career. Pretty legendary, if you ask me. I love it. And this era will always have such a close place in my heart. Like, I cherish every era. So we're going to begin with our first segment, which is Popcorn and Pop Stars. And this is when we talk about where the diva was at this point in her career and why she did this movie or more specifically what she was trying to accomplish with this movie. So, Angie, where was Vanessa Williams at when she was doing A Diva's Christmas Carol? So she was like in this unique place where it was like the beginning of like this slow era of her career. Mm. 2000 was like going to be like the last big year coming off the 90s. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it's important to know about her 90s career because it was just so big. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like she is coming off of monster success from the 90s. She sang the theme song for Colors of the Wind for the 1995 Disney film Pocahontas. Have you She also had a huge hit music career with it peaking in the early 90s with her hit single Save the Best for Last on her 1991 release The Comfort Zone. had a lot of amazing and iconic TV and movie roles where she appeared on The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Uh-oh. What? What's the matter? Uh, my water broke. 
Oh, that's cool. We got another one right here in the fridge. No, no. I mean, I think I'm having the baby. The Eraser featuring Arnold Schwarzenegger. I understand that Maria Shriver, Arnold Schwarzenegger's mm -hmm. wife, is the one who suggested you for the role. Yeah, apparently um, Maria was uh, kind of brainstorming and came up with my name and uh, bounced it off Arnold Culpelson, who was a producer, who at that time really only knew me as a singer. And um, I came out and, and read for the part and then met with Arnold and then did a screen test. And uh, uh, apparently it was through a lot of obstacles, but uh, ended up getting the part. 1997's Hoodlum. I'm a colored man and white folks ain't left me nothing out here but the underworld. Well, I disagree. There are colored doctors, colored lawyers, colored accountants, True. writers, musicians. You could do any one of those. Well, I do write a little poetry. I asked myself where she got those eyes. So full of light, so free of lies. How does one get eyes like that? I tell myself she robbed a cat. You liked it? Yeah, I like it. Well, when can I see you again? Well, keep writing those poems Ellsworth and we'll see. Soul food. Girl, just all up a butt. See, that's what she get. Dragging somebody in who ain't got nothing and putting him off on family. You're talking about family, putting him off on me. I'm the one who paid for this wedding. Terry, why you always gotta let everybody know you pay for everything? Yes, I do. 1998, you guys, you have to watch Dance With Me. An iconic movie, okay? 1998's Dance With Me. I've danced all my life and done it on film and uh, done it on Broadway and Sage and, you know, a little bit in musicals. Uh, videos and stuff but getting a chance to have it be a part of the character's being and be a dancer uh, be a competitor be a uh, have fun and, and and be a teacher uh, was a great opportunity and then 1999's light it up uh i just saw my movie last week and That's how it. is it uh it's actually good i know you're uh, definitely anti-guns and stuff and it's yeah. about six kids that are in crisis uh you know they take over their their high school but they're not thugs it's the message is, you know, they were misunderstood. They were completely mistaken for the wrong type of kids. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when you'll see in the clip, these are straight-A students, kids that are good and decent, have, you know, personal histories. Right. And because of one incident that happens, which Farker, Forrest Whitaker plays an amazing cop, but uh, he's the trigger for this, you know, mayhem, uh, it's, it's a good, good movie. And then earlier in 2000, John Singleton's rendition of Shaft dropped so she was in shaft how you doing hey hey what are you guys doing here watching your back i just got here my back your back shaft's back you know well he never said where he was gonna be she by 2000 was considered one of the the best multi-hyphenated divas from the 90s mm. you know mm -hmm. so at this point you know, she just had a baby. She's in this movie, A Diva's Christmas Carol. And from this point into like 2003, 2004, it's like this slow era. Right. You know? Yeah. I feel like it's interesting too watching A Diva's Christmas Carol because I feel like Ebony kind of played into certain aspects of Vanessa Williams' star persona. Like, uh, yeah. 
Ebony as a character, they say, was known for singing ballads. Mm. And at that point in Vanessa Williams' career, even though she did have some up-tempo success, yeah. like a lot of the top Vanessa Williams songs you'd think of are ballads. the ballads. Yeah. And Ebony has that line where she's like, well, it's what the record company wants. And I'm pretty sure like Vanessa Williams said the same thing too, that like, absolutely. well, it's what the people want is ballads from me. Yeah. So how can you do mostly ballads now? Hmm. It's what the record company wants. Ideas I'd like to kind of keep in the um, up-tempo to mid-groove kind of thing. Um, you know, since I'm mostly known for my ballads, uh, I'd like to kind of go back to where I first started and, and revisit that. Also, like, fun fact, on the Whitney Houston fan forums that I'm part of, I've heard that Save the Best for Last and Colors of the Wind were originally, like, Whitney intended. Or, like, Whitney had gotten them, but she passed. Which makes sense because she's like a ballad queen too, you know? Yeah. I'm trying to imagine Whitney singing Save the Best for Last. I know. Ooh. Especially in the early 90s. Oh, girl. That's that's I'm Your Baby Tonight era. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So why do you think Vanessa Williams did this movie then? I think one, the big part was the director, uh, Richard Shankman, um, you know, basically having her in mind for the part. Yeah. And she was just like in this this weird space. Like, it's no longer the 90s. The 2000s, the millennium hits hard on everybody, right? Yeah, especially the divas. Especially the divas. It was just such a, a big turn mm -hmm. by 2000. Mm -hmm. Like, we're just no longer in the 90s. The paparazzi era it's coming hard, you know, yeah. it's just, it's just a different landscape now. Mm -hmm. What a year a difference makes in terms of the industry, but it was probably just a project that she could do and she knew that she could have fun with, you know? Yeah. I feel like it's kind of like, um, I guess a diva vehicle, if you will, for yeah. Vanessa Williams, this project. Yeah. And I think it's interesting too, that I feel like this kind of role, it helped cultivate Vanessa Williams on screen persona yeah. as the bitch yeah. because at least in some of the shows that I watched she tends to play that kind of role where she's a professional woman successful at the top of her career she's like yeah. big time metropolitan city girl but then you know she starts off as a bitch but then she grows to have a heart yeah, yeah, and yeah. if you look at like a lot of the character descriptors of some of her roles like yeah. a lot of them are like narcissistic diva yeah so absolutely <laughs> example is on ugly betty which she does that show yeah. runs for several seasons she played um wilhelmina slater yeah. who was a former model who became a creative director of a fashion magazine and you know yeah yeah she's a bitch in that show okay I didn't think the pictures looked too bad. I thought that I looked, I don't know. Normal? Yes. Natalie, you're absolutely right. You look normal. Wonderfully so. And if this were any other magazine, that would be fine. But this is mode. And we are not about normal. We are about aspirational. So why not, with the help of modern technology, give yourself the opportunity to look as stunning as you possibly could? And then also um, on Desperate Housewives. So when Ugly Betty ended, Vanessa Williams then went on Desperate Housewives. They were both yeah. ABC shows. And she played like 
the vixen of the neighborhood. If anyone watched Desperate Housewives, you guys know Vanessa Williams played this character named Renee, and she was basically like Edie Britt 2.0 because Mm -hmm. the actress who played Edie Britt, her name was Nicolette Sheridan. She and the showrunner of Desperate Housewives, Mark Cherry, they like did not get along. Mm. So then Mark Cherry killed off Nicolette Sheridan's character and essentially replaced her with Vanessa Williams, whose character was like kind of the same. But like her character on Desperate Housewives is very much kind of like she's a bitch yeah but she has like a lot of money and she just left her like a professional baseball playing husband yeah. and now she's here and you know initially she doesn't get along with the women but then they all develop some sort of friendship so what have you got against susan <sighs> she's always so perky and poor it's an annoying combination hey renee Happy, happy Thanksgiving. Okay, you live in an apartment, take it down a notch. Well, look who cleaned out the sad sack aisle at the bookstore. At least your divorce is good for the publishing industry. We're not using the D word. It's a separation. Tom and I are going to heal through counseling. Explain something to me. If you're trying to win back your husband, why do you dress like you sell oranges by the freeway? Yeah, I feel like when you look at like Ebony and her characters on Ugly Betty and Desperate Housewives, it's like, oh, that's kind of like what helps cultivate the Vanessa Williams on-screen persona. And I do wonder too if like part of that maybe plays into professional career context perception of Vanessa Williams because we have to remember too, like she started off like the way she was introduced to us was as like a beauty queen, Uh, Yeah. right? And our new Miss America is Vanessa Williams, Miss New York! It was 32 years ago that Vanessa Williams, a then 20-year-old college junior, became the first African-American to win the title. And scandal. Yeah, Yeah. and the scandal and being stripped of her title, so. But nearly 11 months into her reign, scandal erupted. Racy nude photos she had posed for years earlier were sold without her permission to Penthouse Magazine. Those photos published pageant executives gave Vanessa 72 hours to resign. Please, I would like to start. Can everyone hear me? Or be stripped of her title. I do officially relinquish my title as Miss America 1984 to the Miss America pageant. That resignation, the first and only in the pageant's 95-year history. Yeah, I think um, a lot of it has to do with her role in Soul Food. Mm. Because Soul Food, she is that successful woman who the family looks at her as the diva, as the bitch. Mm-hmm. You know, her most iconic film scene is Soul Food. Mm. You know, I'm selling the house. You're not selling the house. I am the guardian of her estate. That means I make the decisions. Come on now, Terry. Listen to what they're saying, all right? Your mama worked hard to keep that house in the family for everyone, for you and your family. Oh, fuck the family! The family, I love the family in my house. You know what? The family fucked my husband. Yeah, Faith fucked my husband. Miles. Terry. And what are you going to say, huh? Terry. Terry what? Can we talk about this? Can we talk about what? Fuck you! It, it feels like that's a precursor to Ebony. Right, which then is the precursor to Ugly Betty. Yeah. You know? And then that's the precursor to Desperate Housewives. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. Um, oh, wait, because Dance With Me too. Is she a bitch in that one? Because I haven't seen she that was... movie. 
we need to bet on something so we could do another episode. Oh God! I well, I still, I still have an episode do... that I can pick for. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we will do dance with me. Uh, no, she was considered a diva in that one too. Okay. Wow, she really did play divas. Like that is her thing. Yeah, a diva bitch. Huh? Yeah. Yep. And what do you know about uh, professional international style Latin dancing? I'm Latin, but I never heard of that. Then I wouldn't talk to professionals about it. Uh-huh. <laughs> so then it was Soul Food, then Dance With Me, uh-huh. then A Diva's Christmas Carol. Yeah. Listen here. Yeah. It's interesting that she gets typecasted in that way, though. I wonder how she feels about that. Yeah. I mean, she'd be killing it. Yeah, she's very good. She's very good. I think I wonder if that's a thing of like when people in general just see someone who's so gorgeous yeah it's like everything can't be perfect Mm. something has to be wrong yeah yeah. she's a bitch you know like that tends to be the way we we want to perceive pretty gorgeous Mm. people you know like yeah they can't all be perfect on right they just it's it just can't i mean and i would love to see her in like a gritty role because i feel like she absolutely has the acting chops to handle that yeah type of like weighted topic or weighted like Mm -hmm. scene you know yeah so hmm. should we move on to the next segment which is spill the technicolor tea who is it mrs fox dear i thought you might like a spot of tea so this is the part of the episode when we talk about any scandals controversies and you know maybe some behind the scenes facts that happened during the creation of the film. It's like nice to have a little tea party every once in a while. So, you know, we I tried. I'm sure Angie tried <laughs> trying to um, find some things here, but there really is not much info about this movie. I couldn't find any At interviews all. of Vanessa Williams talking about it. Nothing. No trailers. Listen, um, nothing. I did find Vanessa Williams mentioning this movie at a VH1 Cares press room, like she was about to make it. Mm. Uh, I have a Christmas movie coming out on VH1, uh, which is on December 13th, and it is called A Diva's Christmas Carol. And it is a modern uh, takeoff of uh, the Charles Dickens Christmas Carol. But instead of Ebenezer Scrooge, there is Ebenezer Scrooge, who happens to be a singing star who tends to be quite a bitch. But yeah, I couldn't really find much. Apparently, she did like a virtual Q&A during the pandemic. It was for the Black Gay Stuck at Home event. And she presented this film and did a live chat after it aired it's a live stream yeah so i can't find it um <laughs> i couldn't find it either i was looking for it i was like yeah i couldn't deep on the web couldn't yeah. find it um looked on imdb oh for some additional like fun facts um apparently the baby at the end is her daughter yes sasha fox yes. Mm-hmm. i think they made this in about 20 ish days yeah and that earlier fact that I said about Hardquake, it being originally intended for the Pointer Sisters way back when. But that's pretty much all I was able to find. So were you able to find anything else? Um, I wasn't really able to find anything else, but I would love to like talk a little bit about VH1 doing original films and how that was like a, a thing at the time. Okay. Because by the early 2000s, both VH1 and MTV... Uh, well, it was really by 1999, MTV and VH1 
saw that they could profit in a very different way mm. by creating and producing these certain type of uh, films that oftentimes incorporated the hit artists at the time, mm-hmm. you know? So MTV had like Carmen, a hip hopera with Beyonce, yeah, you know? Yeah. Mackay Pfeiffer, Beyonce Knowles, Most Def, Rod Digger, Da Brat, Lil Bow Wow, Yclef Jean, Jermaine Dupree, Carmen, the original hip opera. So I think VH1 was sitting there and they were trying to uh, compete because that was VH1's biggest competitor was MTV, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. They were the only ones doing music television outside of BET, you know? So I think VH1 was trying to dibble and dabble into film as well. And this is what we get. They didn't do as many films, nowhere near as many films as MTV. But, you know, they they did a couple. But then they had a resurgence in 2013 with the Crazy Sexy Cool TLC story. Right. Which that ended up doing amazing. TLC, MTV, TLC, MTV! Also, um, there is or there was a new rendition of a Divas Christmas Carol. Yes, there was a new Divas Christmas Carol with uh, Vivica Fox, mm-hmm. Vivica Fox, yeah. Eva, uh, Ashanti, and there was somebody else. I can't remember. Mm. But yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess the divas didn't learn their lesson then in <laughs> right in in this movie. The shine that surrounds you just caught my eye. Turn this off. From executive producer Idris Elba. Her name means love, but she's the meanest judge on the hit series Pop the Question. Comes a Christmas tale about a diva. You're fired. That needs a little help. It sucks that VH1 and MTV like don't invest in the music aspect of their network anymore. Right. But I think that also just ties larger into how music functions now. Yeah, like, absolutely. People not really valuing it in the same way that they did in the 90s or the 2000s. Right. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, it just sucks. Yeah. Because now, like, too, like, there was a viral tweet probably at the time this episode comes out. It'll be like months ago. But someone was like, I miss when VH1 used to do these, like, I love the 90s or I love the 80s. Yeah. It's I love the 80s. And this is 1985. The flicks, the fashions, the trends, the TV. The tune. Because you learned so much about so much, pop yeah. culture when you watched that, especially like if you weren't alive during that time. Like you right. just learn about general pop culture. Yeah. And now like kids, like they really don't know stuff that happened previously. Right. But it's because like maybe, yeah, it's maybe because they don't care, but it's also it's just not being offered to them. Right. And it's easier for them to, especially within like, stan accounts and you know the stan sphere for them to make outrageous statements like oh janet jackson and madonna weren't that famous yeah excuse me (laughs) what yeah but it's this information is not being offered to them at all anymore like how would they know yeah it was kind of like um when diana ross was at the renaissance tour and people were like 
Was Diana Ross even that famous? See, the children need to be educated. Oh, the Diana Ross? Right. The Supreme. Right. (laughs) Okay. And it's like, you're at a Beyonce concert. I'm assuming you're a Beyonce fan. You do know that she was in the movie Dreamgirls and that the role she played in Dreamgirls was quite literally based off of Diana Ross. (laughs) Right. Exactly. But how would they know? How would they know? Because none of that is being offered to them. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. So. And it's like, I understand why they don't. But a lot of the big divas are not doing sit down interviews. Yeah. Like they used to. Right. Like coming up, you still could like sit and watch Aretha on television and Prince in interviews. Mm -hmm. Like Michael Jackson even did certain interviews. Like you still could see these divas and devos like they were accessible in a very educational way not in terms of like instagram or something it was just like oh they're breaking down the music okay yeah what you're hearing is not the electric drum machine it's a hardwired 48 track digitally mastered human what i mean so i'll take that and use that as the main foundation for the track and build all the sounds around that when you were in a certain caliber, you went to certain people who knew how to interview you. Mariah Carey talks for the first time about her stormy marriage and divorce from the man who is still her boss. Barbara Walters' revealing interview when 2020 Friday continues. It's been 35 years and there still ain't no mountain high enough. Diana Ross is better than ever. Now from TV One in New York, Diane Sawyer. It's so easy to imagine the Madonna who strikes the pose. The artist formerly known as Prince is our guest. A Music World original next on Larry King Live. But the, but they don't exist anymore. Yeah. But it's probably, and it largely speaks into not just that people don't value music in the way that they do. There's a lack of music programming, but also just this idea of like monoculture not existing anymore. Yeah. Like, I mean, Oprah occasionally will do a sit down interview. Right. But it has to be like huge. Right. And the only like recent instance I can think of is when she sat down with Harry and Megan for oh, that that's interview. right. Yeah, yeah. But look how big that moment was, right? right? It exactly. like reached so many people. Were you silent or were you silenced? I just want to make it clear to everybody there is no subject that's off limits. That's really rare, especially who like yeah. maybe Adele was probably the right. most recent in the context of a, a music artist doing that. Right. Good evening, everyone. I'm Oprah Winfrey. Welcome to a spectacular night here at the Griffith Observatory in Los Angeles. Tonight, you have a front row seat to a very special one night only concert with Adele. But um, yeah, like you said, it's, you know, these big stars, they don't have those avenues to like sit and tell their story. And also like, on the subject of social media too because social media exists everything is so fragmented so you know maybe yes janet jackson will do her like own thing yeah but it's like the people who are gonna seek that out yeah they're janet jackson fans it's not necessarily like 
the non-Janet fans are gonna unless they really wanted to but it's not like the non-Janet fans will go to her right you know like exactly, exactly even though like every single person technically but every single artist has their own platform the audience that they're reaching is very concentrated right. in the way that it wasn't before exactly you know yeah yeah, yeah. everything is so different yeah everything's so different and sometimes for the good but a lot of times for the bad yeah especially having grown up in a space where it was so easy to get educated on music Mm -hmm. you didn't have to do much right turn on the tv yeah that was it yeah in in a in a space where we didn't have internet like that internet wasn't like a huge thing like that like googling something wasn't a thing Mm -hmm. but to be able to turn on your tv and have music videos playing 24 7 and then on top of that you had diary you had you know yeah making the music video you know behind the music and yeah i love the 90s i love the 80s you think you know but you have no idea this is the diary of alia we have a great this is driven beyonce vh1 behind the music Every night at 9, 8 central. This Sunday, the 90-minute premiere of The Sting Story. Only on VH1. It's I Love the 90s, and this is 1990. I'm not finished. Yeah, just a different era. It's like nice to have a little tea party every once in a while. So Angie, surprise segment here we go you really should be the game master here the quiz master because i think you come up with better questions better concepts of games you know i think this really should be your thing but i've been listening to a podcast that does this exact game and i thought it'd be fun if we tried to do it too because i was also a little bit worried that this episode wouldn't be long enough so i was like oh we really gotta kill some time so this game is known as the um imdb mm, what are we calling it wait hold on <laughs> i forgot what they call it on their podcast it's um wait hold on vanessa williams if i type in vanessa that should be like one of the top fucking names i don't know who these other <laughs> vanessas are okay <laughs> so upset i hate that like i hate okay like the other day when i was on title i was trying to search for like spice girls too much so i started typing in too much and then the first option they gave me was drake's too much and i was like hi title you should know me by now i'm not searching for drake's too much i am searching for the spice girls too much what the fuck is this okay anywho so we're i I was a bit nervous that we wouldn't have enough material for this episode fair that's fair (laughs) because there's barely any barely anything you could find about the movie so i was like let's maybe play a game yeah and maybe we could implement this going forward so i'm taking this game from different podcasts that i listen to they play this game and it's called imdb's best for known for okay so i'm gonna give you an actress in this case, obviously, I'm giving you Vanessa Williams. And I want you to guess, according to the IMDb algorithm, what are Vanessa Williams' best for known for projects? So if I type in Vanessa Williams and it gets to that section of filmography, you get four little slots okay. of the known for. All right. So what are the top four known for of Vanessa Williams on IMDb? And it could be movies or television. 
It could be movies or television. I'll give you a hint. Bet. There are two movies and two TV shows okay. on her best four known for. You said, okay, okay. Two movies. I think you'll get um, two shows you definitely should get, especially after we had our conversation. I feel like I got the two movies too. Okay. So TV shows, of course, Desperate Housewives, Ugly Betty. Very good. Boom. What are the two movies? Soul Food. No. <laughs> Angie has if pushed the mic flip, away. Oh, there. <laughs> if I could flip the table right now. Okay. Okay. See, this is a bit Not challenging because so you kind of have to you kind of have okay. to know the person's career. And then you're also right. going to be shook when you give a movie or a show and it's not in the best four known for. Dance with me. No. Are you freaking? It's not. I'm not even going to be up. I'm okay. Angie, calm down. All right. <laughs> I'll give okay. you. Okay. Guess one more time and I'll give you the years of the two films. Guess one more. Um, can't be the eraser uh shaft yes yes okay. there you okay, go okay okay um i feel like the only other big movie she was in was the eraser very good angie there you go that's her best four known for it's ugly betty desperate housewives shaft and eraser eraser yes she wasn't even like doing much in that movie. I'm annoyed. Well, that you can be annoyed with the IMDb algorithm. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Did you like that game? Yes. Okay. So maybe yes. we could move that. We could try we could to do that. that moving forward. Yeah. Okay. So this is the next segment that we would do for this portion. And if you guys have been listening since season one, we never used to do this no. for any of the movies, but we're trying to implement this now. Yes. So we're going to jump into our next segment, which is, but we need people to buy the album, where we talk about how the project, in this case, the movie was marketed. We need the like, audience to like I, just, I just took So in the context of films, we're going to be talking about like posters, trailers, press junket interviews. They don't really exist no. for this project. <laughs> <laughs> um, all I have here is that this aired on a Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> the tagline for this film is "Tis the season to be nasty." Great tagline. Okay. Yeah. And um, I'm looking at the movie poster. Mm -hmm. It's it's red. Yep. We have Vanessa Williams in the center of a circle, and she looks pissed. Yep. <laughs> you said and scene. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> was... But, I mean, do you remember promo of any sorts for this movie, or was it just, like, commercials for it on VH1? So, from what I remember, how I found out about the movie, I probably watched this movie for the first time in like 2001 mm, okay and so that's around that time i had discovered imdb oh and so that was like the era where imdb was very small but it was still listing everybody's you know stats and mm -hmm. you know what they were in yeah and so i was like oh 
I want to see everything TLC was in. Yeah. So I just like pulled it up and I was just like, oh, a Divas Christmas Carol. All right. Yeah. And then I tried to map it out to see when VH1 was playing it. They were playing it frequently at the time. Uh huh. So that's how I saw it. Oh. But I don't remember any promo for it like that. Wow. Like, yeah. Well, it's a TV movie. Yeah. The struggle's real. So I'm going to assume, like, they probably only aired commercials for it on VH1. I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure they probably did. And they probably ran a lot, knowing VH1 back then. Yeah. I, like I said, I I have seen this movie a bajillion times, and it was always on VH1. Never on Lifetime. It was always on VH1. Hmm. So. Welp. <laughs> uh, we're just zooming through this. So yeah. <laughs> next segment. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Okay. This is a segment we haven't done in a really long time. Yes. Dusting the the dirt off of it. This is Tinseltown Showdown. This is the segment where we talk about any potential people that might have been a part of this film, but then for whatever reason, they weren't. So do you have anything? I only, I have, I have one. I have one thing okay i'm assuming it's gonna be the same it's probably the the absolute same i'm sure we found the same exact article yes it seemed like producers wanted mariah or whitney yes that's what i have to to be in this role can you imagine mariah and this is this drops what a year before glitter yeah she's probably making glitter so she's busy she's busy she's busy with her own movie yeah, and she's making an album at the time, too. Yeah. Because we all know, September 11th, glitter is dropping. No, 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 no. Well, you don't want to hear about 9-11. And then Whitney, well, we talked about her. Oof. So you could listen to that. She's coming off of My Love is Your Love. Yes. Things are busy for her. But also, too, 2000. So this is end of 2000. Is this... When did the... Um, crack is whack interview um that has to be well i'm looking at when just whitney came out it came out the tail end of 2002 okay so there was some time like i think at this point she was it was just her and bobby yeah yes because robin gone yeah clive gone yeah <laughs> you know what i'm saying like we're in this era of, I, I feel like she wouldn't at this point probably even take the job i don't even think she knew that the phone rang Angie. <laughs> I don't think she knew that the phone even rang. So that's where she's oh at. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Facts. Facts. Well. Yeah. Next. <laughs> okay. Next segment. This is show me the receipts. Speaking of our buddy Whitney. No way. I want to see the receipts. This is when we talk about the stats of the film, ratings, box office awards, NA. So um, in terms of ratings, <laughs> I have here on the tomato meter, it has a 59% audience score and there is no critical score. That should be higher. I know. Someone who has a critic's account at Rotten Tomatoes give it a hundred yes give it a hundred yes. come on what do you do you have any do you have any receipts you know so when we do these segments I, we really do our research and the fact that i couldn't find 
anything. There really is nothing, you guys. Like, genuinely, there is nothing. I went to page four on Google trying to find... I was like, if it's not on the first four pages... I don't I don't know what to do. Because when you look up a Divas Christmas Carol, now a lot of the th- things that pop up is about a new Divas Christmas Carol. Yes. Not this yes. Divas Christmas Carol. Right. And then if you try to look for Vanessa Williams, it's going to give you all the other stuff that she did. Yeah, nothing really about this. And then she has like Christmas albums, so they're going to try to send you Christmas albums away. Yeah. I'm like, fam, it's a whole movie. It's a classic. It's a cult classic. Let's get it together. I wish they made that live stream available. I know. I wonder if people had to pay for it. I think you did. Mm, Okay. The article that I'm pretty sure you read about Whitney and Mariah being potential people, it's behind a paywall. Like you only get a certain amount of the article and then you have to pay to read the rest. And I was like, I am not going to pay to read the rest of this article. So let me tell you. Oh, did you pay? I know. Well, I paid because it's on Medium. Yeah. And I used to follow Medium. Okay. So I ended up, I had an account. Yeah. So you're not missing my, the way I was like super pissed. Oh, it wasn't worth it? No, I'm, no. Well. It was only like you were missing like four questions, but they weren't even about the movie. Oh. Yeah. Girl. Yeah. I'd be like, I want my four dollars back then <laughs> exactly it was a five dollar okay i i want like four of the five dollars yeah. back <laughs> can you email them and be like i was like a refund <laughs> <laughs> i literally was like okay um there might be some information that we do not know i could have some information yeah nothing it was nothing gosh bro mm. yeah well you guys we tried just we know did. we did try we did <laughs> Which brings us to our final segment. (laughs) This is now Impact and Closing Thoughts. So Angie, what is the impact and legacy of a Divas Christmas Carol? It's just simply like a cult classic. Like this is the perfect definition and perfect example of what a cult classic is. Mm -hmm. And this is the great setup for the renaissance of Vanessa Williams' career mm-hmm. in the 2000s mm-hmm. with Ugly Betty, with Desperate Housewives. Yeah. This is that precursor, that perfect setup, that perfect stepping stone. Right. Not to mention her Broadway, Tony Award nominations, all that stuff that starts happening like 2003, 2004. So this is just the perfect stepping stone, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess on that, if I could continue that too since this is a TV movie and then the other projects that she does that she's probably more well known for now with like Ugly Betty and Desperate Housewives, it sets her up for being on TV. Absolutely. And that's kind of the case with women of a certain age. Like for a long time was when they hit a certain period, they're not really going to be cast in films as much. And that's why a lot of these women started to be more dominant yeah. in the tv sphere or yes. you would have like these prestige like actresses like that's definitely more of a thing now right of them being prestige in film but now wanting to work in tv right but it's because you know tv is a better place for women absolutely especially the older that they are yeah agreed absolutely agreed so then for me i would also add diva's christmas carol a fun TV holiday movie. And it yes. feels like a VH1 TV movie. Yes, absolutely. Um, it's very nostalgic, especially if you 
you know, like we've been saying, you're a fan of VH1, that era of VH1, and very self-referential. So it's just a fun time. Right. We know it's really hard to find. So if you guys like want a link, just DM us and we will oh, yeah. we will send you the link that we watched it on because it's a good copy. Oh, it's HD. Yeah, it's HD. HD. <laughs> Let me tell you. It's not on YouTube. We don't we didn't watch the YouTube version. Yeah. It's like on another website. So if you wanna you want a copy of it, you want a link to watch it, we'll send it yeah. to you. Just DM us. But um Absolutely. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Um Angie, yeah. any last last thoughts on a Diva's Christmas Carol? Um, despite the ratings, I would highly suggest this film. Yeah. And just go in with no expectations and just enjoy yourself. Honestly, I feel like if you are listening to this podcast, <laughs> duh, I think you would like this movie. <laughs> He's dumb. It's called a Diva's Christmas Carol. So uh, <laughs> I, oh, I think you will like this movie if you like listening to this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Angie, where can the people find you if they want to talk more about a Diva's Christmas Carol or Vanessa Williams with you? The original stan of this film. Yes. <laughs> um, at Poetry Soul on Twitter slash X or Angie.Simone. Um, on Instagram. And you can find me on my personal socials. I'm at INN underscore MHO on Twitter, Instagram, and in my humble opinion on YouTube. And then if you want to follow the podcast, we're at Diva Daily's Pod on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Threads, and Diva Daily's Pod at gmail.com is our email. But now we need a preview the movie we're talking about next week. Yeah. Ah! So this is my pick. <laughs> one of two (laughs) so the movie that we are going to be talking about because we are on our holiday diva movies train the train is chugging along next week we are going to be talking about iris and amanda are in exactly the same place where do i want to go by myself depressed at christmas just six thousand miles apart home exchange we switch houses cars everything I need you to answer this. Are there any men in your town? Perfect. The holiday. Iris, hi, it's Amanda. Can you hold on for a sec? Sorry, that was Amanda. Find out how she is. Can you tell him I'm good? How's she doing? What's he been up to? Hold, please. I can't believe that you have had sex with the woman staying in my house. (gasps) He told you that? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And our divas of the week are going to be Kate Winslet... And Cameron Diaz. Yes. The first of Kate's that we will be hearing about this month. <laughs> you guys, this is supposed to be a long month. The way you go try to set this up all month. She's coming, you guys. Don't worry. <laughs> Love you, the Katie. reason for the season is coming. <laughs> Just wait. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But I'm 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 very excited. I know Angie's really excited to talk about the holiday. Oh yeah. It's a classic. Because I think back <laughs> during season one, when that month was originally gonna be Diva Holiday movies, you were wanting to talk about the holiday. Yep. Kate Winslet. I so did. yes. I did. We're getting to her, we're getting to it. Yeah. So come back next <laughs> week and we will be talking about the holiday but you guys if you enjoyed this episode please give us a rating and review on spotify or apple pod wherever you listen to this podcast thank you so much for listening we hope you enjoyed this episode share it with a friend if you've been enjoying 
our pod. It would really help us out. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Until the next one, as always, remember divas. So the thing is, a diva has to be good at what she does.